Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of NXT Then Now Forever. I'm James Boyd, and with me, I have the co-host, Nico Coles, or just your joint host of Keeping a Strong Style, Josh. I'm the host. You're the host. Jeremy's the co-host. Okay, so we're already establishing that you're the heel of the the contest. Okay, I see. (laughs) So, the the host of (laughs) of Keeping a Strong Style, (laughs) Joshua Smith. What's going on, man? What's up, man? Glad to do this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, finally. Finally. Yes. Yeah, so we are going to start off with this week's NXT. It is going to go by very fast because every single fucking match on this show, except for the main event, follows the same exact path. You'll notice it in my notes. So, we'll nah, I'm, I'm going to make sure it lasts longer. I'm going to do the audio equivalent of rest holds on this show. Just like, then. you realize that I'll just, like, <laughs> stop recording, right? You'll just start clapping your hands and say, no rest holds, no rest holds. Nah, I'll just hang up on you and do a solo show the rest of the show. I'm not <laughs> suffering through this. I'm trying to get this shit over with. I got Stardom to watch. <laughs> so, like, I watch too much wrestling is. I gotta watch more wrestling. You over to delay the... Whatever. I, get I ready just, for this week's... What? I would just like to say that I actually spent my lunch break one hour of my lunch break watching this first episode of NXT. That's my dedication to this program. All right. I thank you. And I also like to apologize for wasting your lunch break. (laughs) (laughs) This show. Yikes. All right. Let's just go ahead and get into it. Brodus Clay knocked out my teeth, but my teeth have been replaced. Now tonight he wants to come after something that's irreplaceable. Well, you can tell Brodus I've worked too long and I've worked too hard to lose to someone like him. So I will beat him again. But this time, it won't be via count-out. This time, I'll beat him slap-bang, dead, in the center of the ring. One, two, three. NXT 219, May 1st, 2014. We start with a Triple H promo. He says the line between the future and now are getting blurred. And then he mentions the Shield, the Wyatts, Cesaro, Big E, and Damian Sandow? Who's that? Yeah, uh, (sighs) very good question. So, he also mentions Paige, uh, who recently was just in NXT, and he, she gets a v- very big pop. Then we announce, or Triple H announces, the next upcoming two-hour NXT special called TakeOver. The very first TakeOver. Yeah. So, then we get Tyson Kidd versus Bo Dallas. Tyson Kidd shines early until Bo catches a kick and then sweeps a leg and sends Tyson bumping onto the apron. Bo squeezes the life out of Tyson in the match until Tyson fights to his feet and delivers some kicks. Bo cuts him off and delivers the, a bulldog, but Tyson kicks out of the, the finisher. 
Tyson ends up on the apron. Bo charges. Tyson hits him with a head kick, and then he sets up and hits the top row blockbuster for the win. Yeah, when I was watching this, I just kept thinking, well, a few thoughts I had to myself was like, I forget how raw Tyson Kidd's gear always was. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I really miss Tyson Kidd because this guy was great. Uh, The whole time he was wrestling, I was like, this is Bret Hart's wrestling. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, right? (laughs) Literally. So it's funny that people talk about who's dangerous as a worker. Like, there are people that will blame Sasha Banks for kicking Paige in the back and... You know, she, her career was done, even though, like, she was on the shelf and she had to fight to get herself back um, into the ring um, after being held off for that time. So, I've yet to hear somebody as be a smartass and say, Samoa Joe is dangerous. I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting on that. Yeah, well, Brett said that. Are you serious? Yeah, you don't remember? Brett, Brett was, like, very critical, uh, very publicly outspoken when the accident happened. Okay, I never saw the move, but I figured it was just a regular muscle buster like it always it was. is. And it, was, then, it was just a freak accident. You know, you, there's only so many bumps you can take on your neck. Think how many people end up with stenosis. I, I don't know if you thought about this, but this show is a little bit uh, significant because you and I were actually living in Baltimore, at uh, working together in Baltimore okay, when this, so when this show that, was taking place. Is that historically significant or personally significant? Historically, of course. Moving on. (laughs) Oh, I did want to say one thing, though. Even though Bo wasn't the greatest wrestler in the world, he comes across so much more like a star in Full Sail back then. He is a guy like with that gimmick I thought would actually be something that got over on the main roster and it just never panned out. Yeah, I... You give the um, a look at the arrival match he had with Neville, the ladder match, and then you look at the rematch that he had, and Bo could keep up with a very talented worker. This wasn't the case where they said, go out there and show how good you are. They said, go out there and hold on for dear life. So yeah. this wasn't really a fair showing to him. And, you know, if you go through you know earlier editions of the show, I've actually was kind of surprised and somewhat impressed by the fact that he could keep up with the likes of Neville. They did um, at the end of the match start chanting "na na 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 goodbye." Was this his final appearance with NXT before he went to the main roster? It probably was. It probably was because seemed- he's already up on the main roster. He was. It was him and Paige, and I can't think who else was up. But like right after WrestleMania 30, they show up. Even though his wrestling wasn't good here, like a lot of his his uh, character work was actually very like Jericho esque from like '97 WCW, just like bratty and whiny and uh i thought he came off pretty good here this was okay to me it was one of the better better matches on the show i'd say it wasn't great but it was quick and it told the story yeah we're gonna move on we've spent too much time on this sorry match regular <laughs> ass match so we get a backstage camacho promo he says that he is in not or he is in fact not a party pooper so then Adam Rose interrupts and he says everywhere he goes there's a party or everywhere he goes is a party and then Rosebuds assemble. <laughs> and you get Braun Strowman, Fuck All Night, Tucker Knight, uh, Simon Gotch, uh, main, or WrestleMania 35 main event winner Becky Lynch and the likes. They're all dancing around. Even the backstage interviewers start dancing around. Camacho rolls his eyes and that was the end of that one. Camacho looks familiar. 
Are you serious? Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, what, one thing I was thinking about, though, do, do you think that they put lifts in Braun's shoes now? Because he looks shorter here than he normally does. <sighs> no, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, so... <laughs> lifts... <laughs> Yeah, so so then we get a backstage promo from Bailey and then Sasha. Both of them are very quick. Bailey says that the title is more. Okay, let me backtrack for a second. So they're stating that because of Paige's accents, they're doing a NXT Women's Title Tournament. It's an eight woman tournament. Uh, the first round of matchups is Bailey versus Sasha, uh, Leia versus. Layla, not Princess Leia. Layla versus Natalia, Emma versus Charlotte, and Alexa Bliss versus Alicia Fox, which surprised me because I didn't think Alexa was um, on NXT that early. I thought it was a little bit later than that. Anyway, she's doing the cheerleader pixie fairy gimmick. Anyway, we get a quick backstage promo with Bailey and then Sasha. Bailey says the title is more important to her than 10 John Cena hugs, five biggie high fives, and a combo of both from Paige, and that Sasha's in her way. And then Sasha says that now that the Princess of Pale is gone, it's time <laughs> for the boss to take charge. And she says she's going to hit Bailey so hard that her ponytail will be knocked straight. So we end up getting Bailey versus Sasha. Bailey comes out first, still doesn't have the music that she known for but she does have the nxt debut of the wacky inflatable arm tube guys yeah i didn't know she had that that early yeah same here then sasha comes out sasha still has that music in the hair that is not what we know and love for sasha banks just yet so they both start out with some mat wrestling they end up in positions where they end up getting them into the corner each of them at different points getting them into the corner with their backs exposed and both of them exchange back chops which look kind of mean <laughs> we end up getting bailey in like the bret hart fundamental where she's in position for her finish but she ends up and is teasing the finish but she instead does something else and it almost fakes you out like you know how brett used to do used to get the legs and then do like the head butt to the gut yeah it, yeah she does this she does a couple times she slaps the bear hug on and then she just lifts Sasha and then runs her into the corner and just like you have you're in a position for your move just hit your move so anyway yeah it seemed to me I don't know I kind of thought like maybe she just had a lot of hugging offense (laughs) I think that's where they're getting at it's like you know she wants to hug you and then like there's variations of the huggery I I will say this though Um, this was some of the most fluid and like best wrestling on the show early on even though this is a really really short match you could already see a lot of what would become the brilliance between these two um just the chemistry between them i thought i actually really dug this for as long as it lasted yeah cause, yeah you're right because it was really a short match but yeah you can already start to see it and this is the third match i think i've seen between them two already and... although I, I do have one big gripe with the ending and i'll tell you about it here in a second Oh, I have a I have a gripe with it too. So, so after all of the 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 running into the corner, Sasha ends up um, hitting a straight jacket neckbreaker looking deal that apparently used to be her finish called the bankrupt. So mm-hmm. Bailey kicks out for two. Sasha makes a face like she kicked out of my finisher. So, she can't believe it. Yes, can't believe it. How uh, however will she continue? So Sasha <laughs> lifts her up to her feet. 
and then Bailey ends up grabbing her for the uh, Bailey to belly, but Sasha escapes and then hits the backstabber that rolls into the bank statement for the submission victory. Yeah. So with this, everything leading up to the Bailey to belly was really good. She hits her with the Bailey to belly and she just rolls out of the ring, which is fine, except for she was too far uh, for the position. So she just had to keep rolling. It, it didn't come off like, like a desperation. It just kind of came off like she had all her cognizance to do it. Yeah. Then when Bailey goes to grab her, she, uh, I don't, I forget what you call it, like a, uh, a jawbreaker. She does a jawbreaker on the ropes to her. So it's like, she got hit with her finisher, but then she has the presence of mind to roll out, hit her with the freaking jawbreaker, then get back and hit her with the bank statement. She doesn't sell the Bailey to belly whatsoever. Like not even a little bit. Um, which I kind of get, I don't criticize them too much. I, I guess I criticize the agent because they only had a few minutes and that's probably what they were told to do. But if you get hit with the finisher and you roll outside the ring, you should probably sell it and lay on the floor for a while instead of just like popping right up. Cause it, it basically no sold the entire finish. Well, I would say that the criticism they should have for it is you may, you booked a match that had some, twists and turns in it that didn't allow for it to breathe to be able to tell that story in that short amount of time. So you should have did less. Uh, yeah, that's probably yeah. true too. Yeah. Like but, you have, because I didn't even, in my notes, I didn't even mention the fact that she kicked out or she rolled out the way of the desperation, um, belly to belly. And it even happened. I just got to more stuff that even happens. Like there, <sighs> one thing I didn't like about this match was that you gave Bailey something by her kicking out of Sasha's old finisher, right? Right. And then you took it all the way by making her tap out. She's babyface tapping out of middle of the ring. So, yeah. in fact, what would have worked better would if you slapped on the bank statement, she fights and fights and fights, gets to the rope, and then she hits her with her pin finisher. Now, they, they reacted like this was the first time she's ever done the bank statement. Did you Have you seen her use that on television before? Because it seemed uh, like it was the first time. <sighs> I'm not as I'm not exactly sure because at this point, like Sasha keeps doing jobs. Okay. Like she jobbed to Paige, she's jobbed to Bailey twice. I can't remember if she ever slapped it on on Bailey at any point in time. I'm I feel like she has though. The way they reacted, they didn't call it by name, and they said that she just added a new wrinkle to her to her game, and they're like, this basically they said is a new move. So it seemed like maybe she never done it, or if she had they weren't like use utilizing it up to this point as a finish. That's cool. But if you're going to do that, then don't let her kick out of the first move to begin with. Just beat her. Other than, other than the finish though, this was, even though it probably was only like three minutes or four minutes, it was pretty good actually. Yeah. They zoomed through. And, and also one last thing. Um, it's so nice to see Bailey and Sasha just like invigorated and bright eyed. And so like, happy and like ready to like take over the world and they're not like you know destroyed like their souls are not gone at this point <laughs> you mean they're not like jaded skeptical and being down yeah. by cynicism of being on the main roster for the last what three years absolutely years. and i mean both of them both of them look like <clears throat> mega stars here already yeah so uh, well, I th- we have the next two years of NXT, then I forever to go over it, and then it's all over, right? It's curtains for them. So, after that, we end up getting... Uh, oh, yeah, so, because Sasha advanced, we she's now waiting on the winner of Natalia versus Layla, 
Layla, which will be later on tonight. Uh, so 24 minutes into the show, we're finally showing the announced team of William Regal, Tom Phillips, and uh, Byron Saxon. They tell us that Neville has requested a no DQ championship match against Brothers Clay for later in the show. Stupid then the commentary. Yes. So then the commentary team throws to a Brodus Clay video package where Brodus tells us that WWE and the WWE Universe stole his dignity and then showed him doing the Funkodactyl stuff. And then he says he's now back to take all of his dignity back. And then the rest of the video is him laying out Neville backstage and quote-unquote knocking out his teeth last week and then also a previous NXT match where he beat the hell out of Xavier Woods. So then we get Adam Rose versus Danny Burch. Nothing match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Adam Rose keeps escaping Birch's wrestling holes with shenanigans. Birch gets pissed that he's getting upstaged by a dandy, and then he starts throwing strikes. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, uh, and then he throws Rose's head first right into the turnbuckle twice. That fires up Rose, and he hits a string of punches and chops, then a charging back elbow in the corner, then a back kick, then a Bronco Buster in that same corner, and then he hits this inverted neckbreaker-looking deal for the win. The so, party foul. He hit him with the party ah, foul. That's what it's called. Okay. The snapmare driver. Okay, the snapmare driver. Okay. I'll for, totally forget that by next Which week. is a pretty cool move, actually. But other than that, this match is pretty much nothing. It was interesting to see... Uh, uh, Danny Birch kind of like in it. He definitely wasn't in the shape he's in now, you know? Well, we don't really know that because he's in the single. You have no idea. He's definitely bigger, though. Yeah. Like, it, like he's shredded to the gills now. It's also funny that Regal is, try, is trying to say that, like, he is, like... A hooligan? Like he, yes. He's like, yeah, I don't even know how he even made it into this country. <laughs> I don't know I was like, how okay. he got a visa. Yes. So then we end up getting um, the Rosebuds coming down to the ring to celebrate with Adam Rose. Then Camacho comes out and he lays out one of the uh, partying geeks. And that's just to further that storyline along. Riveting stuff. Yes. Yes. So we get a quick backstage interview with Brodus Clay. He says that Neville will be lucky if he even is left with a heartbeat. It's like, yikes. Murder. (laughs) So, So then we get Natalia versus Layla. Uh, we get a great deep arm drag from Layla. Then Natty escapes, so wrist lock, and then Layla slaps on this rest hold. Oh, um, Layla's so bad. Yeah. In the well, for the for the time by the standard, no, but like no, it, she's pretty bad compared to all the other rest of the the women on this show. I remember when she came back in I think the twenty twelve ish, twenty thirteen ish, whenever that was. I remember her being okay, and then she did the Fandango stuff, which is where she is right now in her career. And, right. And then it's like, well, I guess, you know, whatever. whatever. Yo, I, I forgot about the Fandango stuff. When she came out, I was like, oh, yeah, she was with him, because I, yes. I only kind of remember Summer Rae, honestly. Remember, remember, I think they took it to SummerSlam, and were it was like a battle of the babes between uh, Summer Rae and Layla, and I believe it... At one point, like, they dumped them and they left together. And I was like, um, are they taking this where I think they're taking this? But uh, <laughs> they didn't. Thank God. So, um, you know, they're not mature enough to write that kind of storyline. They're getting themselves in all, so all kinds of trouble. There'd be some, was it Billy and Chuck? That's what it was? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they can't handle that. They're not responsible enough for that. So, 
Um, yeah, Layla slaps on a rest hole. Natty fights out. Um, Layla puts her right back in the same exact rest hole. Natty gets out of it again, hits the ropes, and it hits the uh, tornado clothesline. Uh, Layla ends up in a situation where she can get a sunset flip cover, but Natty grabs Layla's legs and then slaps on the sharpshooter for the submission victory. So, uh, in the second round, Natty will face Sasha. Yep. Yeah. So... He ended up getting a backstage promo with Neville where he says that Brodus Knight had his teeth last week, but he was able to get a new set because that's replaceable. But what Brodus wants is irreplaceable, the NXT Championship, and this time he won't beat Brodus with a, uh, a countout. He says he's going to put him away. I've always thought that that's such stupid logic. Uh, uh, what? Basically, he they, they even on commentary, they really sell it how you know, he doesn't want to win by count out because it's a cheap victory. Only a submission or a pinfall is sufficient, you know? But the reality is, like, if you book it the right way and you, you educate your fan base, like, a count out win is technically a knockout. Like, you know, I mean, like, you can... Obviously, you can do the cheap kind of, like, count out where the person barely makes it in, but, like, back in the day in a lot of territories, it was like, the person was knocked out and it was a conclusive finish. And it's like... It's, it doesn't have to be booked like a cheap victory every single time. But in WWE, it's always been that way. Yeah, it is because it's an easy way out because they don't do the championship, because they do the championship advantage and nonsense, which, like, you can make it matter more by getting rid of that. Like, you can make all decisions matter a lot more if you get rid of the championship, whatever. But that means you would have to actually try. So they don't do that. But and I, I that's think, not even I just think... WWE. That's just North American pro wrestling. But I think one of your favorite videos to send me is the video of Bernard Hopkins getting knocked out of the ring. Oh, that's yes, yes, yes. But that's a little different. It's like he that, finished that's a count, that's a count it. He finished out. it in the ring and knocked his ass out of the ring, as opposed to and and when you watch pro wrestling now, it's like oh, somebody got laid out like at the eight count, and they rolled their, and another person rolled their ass in the ring and won. And, like that's kind of what happened with Neville and Bruce Clay last week, or that's a, that's maybe a, that, later in a month or a month ago, five weeks, five years ago. Bernard Hopkins got counted out. Let's be clear. <laughs> so you look at that video and you tell me that that's a dude that was going that 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 wasn't done. Whatever. We can move on. So we get Mojo Raleigh versus Oliver Gray. How many matches are on this show? My God. Well, there's only one more after this. So Gray lands a kick to the gut and then uh, clubs on Mojo's back for a few times until Mojo slubs him in the corner. Uh, and then you go straight into the five moves of doom. You already know what it is. Two stinger splashes, a hip attack, and a running, jumping ass drop for the win. Yeah, yeah what's up with the ass uh, offense from Mojo? I don't know. He's been doing this since Arrival, and every single one of his match ends the same exact way. Two stinger splashes in the corner, hip attack, running, jumping ass drop. The one thing I thought to myself was, like, he's the new regular warrior he came out there doing his best ultimate warrior like impression dude that's an insult to ultimate warrior <laughs> and honestly that'd be an insult to renegade too like the texas tornado is like nope 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 even even carry with one leg or one foot is is not they, they don't even do justice to him like he is just just the worst <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just move on. So we get Adrian Neville versus Brodus Clay. Wait, wait, um, wait. There's there's an attack afterwards. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. Fuck. All right. Out comes in English. He says he's done suffering fools and that Mojo is the fool that he will no longer suffer. Um, so Mojo was kind of incredulous and kind of like taking audience with the crowd. So while that's happening, English uh, attacks from behind. Mojo no for more or less no cells and it just immediately like clotheslines his ass out the ring down to the floor. And I and I thought to myself immediately, Geek of the, the week, the upper mid card of NXT is super strong right now. <laughs> Adrian Neville versus Brodus Clay, no DQ match for the NXT title. Match starts out kind of hot. Uh, we end up in a situation where Adrian Neville is on the apron. Brodus Clay comes charging. Neville ends up uh, yanking down the bottom ro- top rope, so uh, Brodus badly goes over the top rope down to the floor. We end up getting a uh, a Fosbury flip from Neville, and <laughs> thank God he's just one of the best wrestlers in the world because yeah. Brodus didn't bump, didn't didn't catch him or nothing. He didn't he catch him at all. Feet. Yeah, so they end up back in the ring. It's more or less you know strikes and and kicks from loud loud sounding off kicks from Neville. Um, until Brodus Clay catches him, and then he starts pounding him away on him, uh, stomp him in the corner. He ends up catching him in a um, almost like an inverted power slam position, but he ends up turning into like a bear hug type of situation where he's squeezing yeah. him and squeezing him and squeezing him. Um, Neville lands, gets, escapes and lands more strikes. He ends up getting a situation where he finally puts him in a position to where he can um, go for a... Uh, Red arrow, but he escapes. Um, he ends up getting, or Brodus claims, getting advantage again. He ends up going out to the scorekeeper's table. He grabs the WWE or the NXT title, brings it to the ring. He goes to charge with it. He ends up eating a boot from Neville. Neville sets up for the red arrow and actually gives him a red arrow with uh, right on top of the right on top of Brodus with the NXT title there and gets the victory. Couple other things that happened this match that I thought were interesting. Um, the no DQ rule did come come into play slightly. There was a point where Brodus had um, Adrian Neville up in a, a Argentine backbreaker, and the only way Neville could get out is he raked his eyes, which was obviously not yes. against the rules. Yes. That so was kinda... the that was the inverted power slam uh, bear hug hole I was talking about. Yes, an Argentine backbreaker, dude. I don't know the name of that shit. I was like, whatever. <laughs> I was say what it's close to. Yeah, that's uh Antonio Antonino Rocca's uh, one of his finishes, and then um, cool. <laughs> Antonino Rocca was like one of the biggest WWF stars ever. Didn't say otherwise. I just said cool. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Um, one other thing too was Brodus actually landed a big splash off the second rope and that's never right. kicked out of it. That was pretty. That's pretty right. Crazy. It was over half way across the ring too, and I was like, I don't know if he's gonna make it, and he did, and I was like, interesting. I was sitting there watching, it and I was like, I would have him land it right now. I wouldn't have him move, and then he did land it. I was like, oh, they did it, and then he kicked out, and I was like, wow. But other than that, I mean, this wasn't a bad match, but it was it was just kind of it was just kind of there. It was whatever. I thought it was a good um, match. I thought it was good. Uh, I thought that when Neville hit the red arrow, even though this was five years ago, it's still to this day one of the most impressive aerial maneuvers that you'll ever see. Like, this man was just incredible. Yeah. And still is. Yeah. And now we have, was it 21-year-old Hazuki on stardom hitting on people to win the high-speed title. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, one thing I thought that was... <laughs> 
One thing I thought was really funny was the entire night, I thought Tom, because I, I didn't watch NXT from this period, but NXT, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tom Phillips, Byron Saxton, and William Regal, I thought were really good, um, what would you call them, commentary team? Um, I thought that this week, and, Re- and Regal's pretty much on every single week, I thought this was the worst that Regal was at trying to figure out what he was trying to say. It was almost as if, like, he was at loss for words at times, and he was scrambling and trying to fill in the blank of what he was saying. Like, he sounds a lot like how I am when I do this show. And when <laughs> I like, it's like he's thinking out loud while coming up with, while, you know, trying to form what he's going to say. And he's, like, searching for his words, how I'm searching for my words right now a lot. But the, normally he's, like, on point. So this kind of took me back a little bit to see that he wasn't, like, he didn't have the fastball this week. I'm not I'm not a big commentary guy like I I've said this on my show before like I I don't have like hot takes on it but I thought that this was a pretty good team. That being said though, yeah, yeah. they had one of the most ridiculous calls I've ever I get why they're doing it but they had one of the most ridiculous calls at the end of this match like William Regal was like, "Yes. This was by far yes. Yes. the greatest performance yes. I have ever yes. seen in my entire life. This man has overcome Mount Everest, and I was like, Look. "All right, all right, Tony Schiavone, the greatest oh. night in the history <laughs> of professional wrestling." Okay, to be fair, he did just carry Brodus Clay to like a two and three quarters three star match. Yeah. So it was good. It was he. He did kind of do the damn thing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. Like, you know, how people talk about uh, Okada's like, he got a four-star match with Fale. It's like, oh, oh great, fantastic. <laughs> like, Neville got a three-star match out of Brodus Clay. I, I actually did think on this show they did a really good job with backstage promos with, with Brodus Clay and uh, Adrian Neville. They did a good Same job, here. like, telling the story and building it up. It was something that was anticipated. One yeah. thing I think people f- kind of forget because Neville's reign was so early in the days of NXT is like he was, and the record might've been broken now, but it might not have. I think he's got the most title defenses on television and takeovers of any champion in history. And it was because he was doing a lot of this. He was defending the belt on regular NXT television a lot more often than you would see other champions doing that. So that that's one thing that people kind of forget about his legacy that's a great point. Neville is someone that should never be forgotten in the history of the NXT. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to do this show. But let's move on to this week's NXT. you got something Bianca, you got something you need to say to me? You got something you need to say to me? Bianca, you got something you need to say to me? Bianca, what are you doing? Listen in the ring there. Stop it. Post up. Stop it now. Bianca, what are you doing? Uh uh-uh. uh. What y'all looking at? You really recording this right now? Get up out of here. Get out of my face. WWE NXT 504, May 1st, 2019. The first match of the card is Danny Birch, Oni Lorcan. And Umberto Carrillo versus the Forgotten Sons. So Cutler and and um Lorcan get things started with uh, Lorcan hitting some uh, running blockbuster onto uh, Cutler, and then it's uh, a European uppercut to Blake that sends him out to out of the ring. 
Umberto comes in and hits a standing moonsault before the Forgotten Sons regroup at ringside, and Jackson beats Umberto down with some right hands. Cutler hits a running knee to the back of Umberto uh, in ropes before he hip tosses Blake onto an, or into Umberto for a quick two count. Jackson hits a diving headbutt on onto Umberto for a two count before locking in the Cobra Clutch. Umberto uh, rolls back to pin the shoulders of Jackson for the near fall. Uh, Lorcan comes in and takes out all three members of the Forgotten Sons before Birch hits a missile drop kick onto Cutler. Jackson breaks up a crossface by uh, Birch before Umberto accidentally hits a suicide dive onto Lorcan. Birch ended up um, in the ring with all three members of the Forgotten Sons, so he ends up firing up. He ends up getting beamed down before Jackson hits a Polish hammer uh, to Umberto in midair. And the Forgotten Sons then hit uh, the Lorcan and Birch with double uh, diving knee drops uh, with Jackson holding them in reverse DDT position. And they end up, um, I believe they end up pinning, yeah, they end up pinning Birch. Yeah, so a couple thoughts I had here. Um, Lorcan and Birch, are they on um, NXT UK as heels? Okay, so they're they're doing weird stuff. So Oni is in is in two hundred five live, and he's a heel. Like he's a frothing at the mouth dog, damn near right. And then um, Birch, I don't know. I don't. I don't really watch two or two. You know what? NXT I'm I'm, like con- I'm confusing them with uh, Eichner and uh, ah okay and and Bartel. That's what it is. But I mean, so, either way. I mean, either way, like. If they're still going to be tagging, they may as well be doing double duty in uh, UK. Yeah, might as well. I thought that the um, I thought the opening sequence, like the shine sequence with Lorcan and um, Danny Birch and Carrillo, was really really good. Um, obviously, you can when you compare this match to everything on the previous show that we just reviewed. There's a huge difference in work rate. Yeah, and it's almost uh, as if this show has more talent. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Um, you know, I don't watch the Forgotten Sons. Um, they all had a good accounting of themselves, but this is obviously like a jag, like gimmick. Like n- yeah. none of none of the guys really stand out. They they all stand out in the sense that they have good wrestling, but as far as characters, I couldn't I couldn't tell you which one's which or what they who they are, what they're about, or anything like that. Wait, you can't tell that like Jackson looks is Gunner from TNA, and he looks like fucking Batista once he takes once he gets in the gear. I noticed that there was a guy who was really jacked. I didn't realize. Okay. I, I, okay. Until you said it just now, I remembered. Like, yeah, that's Gunner. Okay. But watch, watching it, there was no point when I was watching this where I thought, oh, that's Gunner. Okay. Well, the thing about him is he's the he's he's not necessarily a good worker, but like he can follow. Um, he's somebody that you can. He was follow. fine in this match. Yeah. Yeah, um, but you, you can see his weaknesses or whatever aside from when he's like beating the hell out of people. So, but I did like Cutler, the numbers game. I like the way that they uh, were able to kind of like just utilize their cohesiveness, the Forgotten Sons, to kind of get the win in this one. Yeah, um, I'm just they're like getting positioned as the top or the number two heels in the tag division because, or actually number one heels because. Because we don't know what's going on with Undisputed. Well, uh, now that you mentioned, I can believe one we don't know was if they even have a tag team right now. They're on the rocks, and then 
I was really confused about what they're doing with the Viking Raider experience of war or whatever the hell they're going to call themselves because on their baby faces on NXT on the main roster, they're clearly heels. So I don't know, you know, what Viking experiences and on the main roster, they're heels. They're beating up Lucha House Party. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're beating up Lucha House Party in their debut match. Like they tagged opposite Blackashay in, um, and tagged with the revival in uh, eight man tag. Like they're clearly heels. So often with this company, I just always say to myself, "Who the fuck knows what goes on with this company?" They don't even know. So they why should know. I? Why should I speculate and waste <laughs> my brain power? Yeah. So, but I thought that I thought this match was pretty good, though. It's decent. Yeah, it was a good match. It's just they um, had Korea playing I'm, I'm, Ricky Martin for a long, or Ricky Morton for a while. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm wondering if they ever turn him heel and like they use the fact that he's a pretty boy as the heat because I I would enjoy that. <laughs> he's yeah, <laughs> kind of like what they're doing with Sammy Guevara over in AEW. They could probably do something similar to that. What do you mean? That's what they're doing. Like it's a t-shirt company. Uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. So, so then we get uh, Jakovic versus Mansoor. Now we we got a, a promo with the two thirds horsewomen. <sighs> Three quarters. Okay. They're walking on campus. They walk up on Kathy Kelly. Kathy Kelly says, or she, or trying to inter- talk to Shayna. Shayna doesn't want to talk. Kathy Kelly asks her a question that she didn't like. And then she stomps off in a huff. I've seen this like five times already. <laughs> Just doing the show. Like, it's always Kathy Kelly is saying something that pisses off Shayna. She walks off. It's funny, but like, we've seen it already. I thought she, I thought Shayna was going to steal her. I thought she was going to do something else to her, but I won't move this a PG show. So, um, Oh, and there was a, a clip of earlier this week at the PC with Bianca Belair and Mia Yim. You're right. They get into an argument because last week during a media availability, a fake one, of course, uh, she was, she meaning Mia was talking about the landscape of the division because Shane has been on a rampage. She's, you know, made, she's, made Bianca, who says she's undefeated, defeated, beating her twice. Um, then you have what she did to Kyrie by taking her off the show with the arm. Um, and she's been beating up the locker room again ever since she lost a couple matches right after Phoenix. So she's getting all her heat back and then some. So um, Bianca at the PC during a class at Robbie Brookside is is uh, in the middle of taking care of. All of a sudden, she interrupts and says to Mia, "Keep my name out your mouth." Then Mia says, "What you want to do about it? You want?" And it's and then they apparently have a match. Um, in the background, you see Stokely, who is now I think court, name is Court Moore. Court, yeah, Court Moore. He he starts instant. He starts sort of stealing some focus by he pulls his phone out. And he's almost trying to get a world star moment. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Was, he's just he's just the best. Like he's not even trying yet, and he's already just the best. <laughs> I, I I loved I love that Mia's like post up. <laughs> I, I was trying not I was trying not to say it. I was like post up. You you want an entry pass from the from the free throw or from the three point line? The fuck are you talking about, Mia? What whatever whatever. And, and then she walks back. She's like, "What are you doing, Court?" <laughs> Yes, 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 and it's funny because I don't know if you, I don't know if you're on Twitter or not, but like they're constantly nah. around each other and they're constantly antagonizing each other, and the and the joke is always that like 
it's gonna reach a boiling point in me. It's gonna beat the brakes off of him, and he knows it. So he's like trying to he's trying to be funny, and he's basically like trying to throw rocks and hide his hands. It's hilarious. Yeah, that 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 whole scene was pretty funny, actually. Yes. So like, uh, did they say their match is next week or two weeks from now? I believe I don't know. I think it's next week. Okay. Yeah. So we get Dominic Dijakovic versus Mansoor or Mansoor. No, no, I'm sorry. Yim versus Baszler is next week. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay, so um, Dijak versus Mansoor, Mansoor, I've seen him on the Largo loop before, one week he was playing a heel with goons, the next week he was playing a babyface, this week he's out as a babyface selling for this monster, um, Dijak this awesome. Mansoor into the corner and hits him with some forearms before uh, Mansoor uh, hits a running back elbow, but he ends up getting caught and he goes for, uh, when he goes for the diving crossbody, Dijak spins around and launches Mansoor out of the ring at, from like a uh, fallaway slam position, which just looked so horrifying scary. because he didn't so even grab scary. the rope. He just fell. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, he gets back into the ring. And then uh, Mansoor ends up getting a near fall with like this crazy like knee ends the gurry deal where he ends up getting a spot where with, with um, strikes that he ends up getting. Um, Dominic on the on the, on the ropes. He actually takes a knee. He basically steps up on that knee and then drops a knee strike, a V trigger. Since you know we have keeping a strong. There's side a here. lot of V triggers on these shows. Yes. So he ends up he ends up uh, getting a near fall out of that, and then he tries to follow up, and, and then uh, Dijak hits the feast your eyes for the win. Just, yeah. This this match was awesome because in one way you could be like this was a squash. Dijak just squashed this guy, mm-hmm. but this guy got over as much as you possibly could get over in a squash while still looking good. Yeah. So like, it it, it did a favor for both guys at the same time. I don't even I didn't know if that was even like a possible like a possibility, but both guys just looked like excellent. Like Dijak being a dominant monster who's just super athletic and you know scariest you know, whatever. And then yeah. Mansoor out here doing all this, uh, this flippy do stuff, just looking very <laughs> athletic. And, uh, yeah, I dug this match. It was short, but man, it was really, really good. And Dijak's awesome. Mansoor is awesome too, but Dijak's yes. awesome. Yes. Cause Dijak, he, he has that Brock Lesnar or let, let's just focus on heels anyway. Like I, I also like to say that like NXT Oscar was also awesome at being an ass kicker that what could be, sell and be vulnerable and when she was vulnerable like she was awesome at it but Shayna Brock Lesnar when he gives a shit and uh I'm trying to think who else is like that as well um but who Dijak sells as well? well huh who sells well no 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 just as far as like they give this air of they're unbeatable until all of a sudden the Russian is cut for lack of a better phrase yeah. and then they're just sitting and they're just sitting reeling and you're like you're just waiting for the baby face it's just like come on you can do it you can beat this yeah. dude let's do yeah that sort of thing uh so this is definitely one of those matches i just peeked the hell out of the microphone my bad <laughs> and I, it didn't it didn't show up in my headset did I, you I'm, uh talk about our recording did you notice that uh dijak's gear is very reminiscent of okada's gear I didn't notice that. I just noticed that like there's there's red, white, and uh, gold. Yeah, man. Not red, white, blue, and gold. They went to the same tailor. I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> I... 
And what that means? What that means is this man's got awesome gear. That's what that means. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna make a joke about. Hopefully, he doesn't come out with some with some long pants on because I know that was a huge thing for you. Nah, he would never make that mistake. <sighs> okay, so here we go. After this, Velveteen comes out and he says <laughs> that you, you know, you t- you you're talking about me last week. So then he basically accepts. Dijak's challenge at the North American title via singing the national, a remix version of the national anthem. Yeah. Oh, this thing fucking sucked. Um, he was off beat. He was off. He can't sing. He, he can't sing. <laughs> the cr- and the truest test of his, uh, of his overness and his likability is the fact that this thing Sucked with no hands, yet at the end of it, the crowd loved it. It was legitimately probably going to be it was legitimately going to be one of the worst promos, one of the ten worst promos in WWE in 2019, from objective standpoint. And the crowd ate it up. This dude, this dude, he made it work even though it sucked, and everyone knows it sucked. Do you do you ever find that it's ironic that? So much of what Dream does is based off of Prince, who happened to be a five foot two man. And, you know, Dream is like a giant hawking dude, but it's just kind of like ironic that that's the case. Um, the thing is, he, he pulls from so many different inspirations that is like uh, so many different places for inspiration, where it's, whether it's Macho Man or it's Rick Rude or it's The Rock or it's Prince, that I, that is Hogan. That I can't really, you know, um, at, at this point, like, it's almost just, like, that amalgamation, I just, yeah, this is dream at this point. Because there's so many things he pulls from that is almost like, it's, it ain't even, I don't even think about it in those terms anymore. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, you're right. I, to- you're I right. totally agree, um, obviously. I've always said that, to me, Velveteen Dream is my WWE's version of Stranger Things. You know, something that pays homage to all these different... <laughs> Yeah. So like it's basically like he's paying homage to the former wrestlers in a way that like uh Stranger Things always pays homage to uh Spielberg movies. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and 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 all other 80s pop culture, but they do it in a way to where they make it into their own unique individual thing that's new and fresh and that's what he does. The moment I saw Dream, I was like he's Stranger Things. It's awesome. <laughs> but uh I I think for the regular layperson who's not as familiar with wrestling, if they saw him, they would just think Prince immediately, just based off the purple light and the yeah. look. Yeah. And so I've always just thought it was funny that like he's a six foot two giant muscular man, and then like you know Prince was a little guy. <laughs> yes, Prince is this, yes Prince is this, uh, uh, I don't thin's not the word. Uh, not wiry is not the word. Like this this like um, slight. <laughs> um, gaunt, gaunt, almost like and do this, you know, especially back in the eighties with like the androgynous look, and he has yeah. a heel on his boot. He's on some album th- covers, you know, at times in, in the G string. So yeah, yeah, I, I def, I get it. Yeah. Yep, but um, Dominic uh, definitely was pissed when this whole thing was going on. So I'm actually, I'm glad that they're giving giving a. Uh, I don't. I don't want. I'll, I'll never call him Dijakovic because I. I don't agree with that. But 
Uh, I'm glad they're. Wait, you don't. Wait, you you're saying you don't agree with his name? What? I'm I'm dead naming him. I'm dead naming him. He's Dijak. I call him Dijak from time to time. I'm just trying to, you know. I I can't say Dijakovic. It's too hard. Look, you know how many times I've had to call him Dijakovic for me to be able to be able to say Dijakovic when I read through my notes. In my notes, it says Dijak. But um. Yeah, I'm. I'm just glad that they're giving this guy something for real now, and him and Dream's gonna be freaking awesome. Like that's something I. I hope that they save it for Takeover. I hope it's not on NXT, but it seems like it might be on TV. Nah, I need them to burn through that so I can get my my Dijak Chris or my Dijak Keith Lee match that I was promised weeks ago. <laughs> I got fucked over with because he got hurt. I need this match. I'm sorry, I, mean, I need this match. They went out there and had a five star seven minute match, bro. I need this match. <laughs> I mean, they've got a five-star in uh, P- uh, PWG. I don't cover PWG, Josh. I cover <laughs> NXT. I need an NXT. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, we end up getting to the main event, the debut of Kushida. Um, Uno takes... Oh, the, the the undisputed stuff before that. Oh, yeah. God damn it. Okay, so they could do their normal previous... Um, are they the horsemen or are they NWO promo where they're cutting the promos and they're trying to be uh, cool heels while their music is playing in the background? So they say that the NX they say that last week didn't phase them because they're more reunited they're more united than they've ever been before, and then it happens. This asshole Adam Cole goes out here and buries his own teammate Roddy by saying that Roddy you know messed that, up that he that he dropped the ball. And he said, even though you dropped the ball, we're still united. And then Roddy says, wait, what? Yeah. Because, and sure enough, he walks away and a funny thing happened. Instead of it being what we thought where it would be like, it All case of split up where it would be, um, the, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, former tag team champions with Roddy goes to follow him. Instead, it is the fourth wheel, Bobby Fish, who follows Roddy out and then, as Adam Cole says, that dude, I was just joking. It's just a just a passive aggressive joke. Um, you have uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Mister Air Guitar himself, staying with him as, with Cole and saying it was a joke. So we're Kyle getting, we're getting face. Like the worst. We're getting the worst two pairs out of out of these guys that we probably could have imagined. <laughs> Obviously, we know Kyle Riley has some of the best facials in wrestling, but his face during the entire promo was just hilarious. As soon as like, um, Rod, Roderick strong was like, you know, took offense and was like taking off. Like, I don't know, just like whatever yes. it was that, that he was doing was just so hilarious. You, you know what it is? It's, it's almost as if Kyle O'Reilly, like comes to the realization of things and you can see his uh, the the gears turning in his head. Yeah, almost like five times slower than it should be going. <laughs> so yeah, it's like I don't want to say he's a dummy, but it's clearly he's putting on to do this. But like, it's so delayed, and he's so he's such a lackey that it's like hilarious. Yeah. Like his, like he's sitting there and he's looking and he looks confused and then his mouth slowly drops. Yes. And it just yes! and it and it just stays agape for the longest time. Like yes, it's so funny. Yes, he's almost like if you ever watch 
any episode of Friends is like any episode where they made fun Joey. of Joey being dumb. It was yeah. like it's always the gag. It's like except they don't <laughs> actually like get to a point where like they realize that Joey's dumb and they're always like catch up. It's like it happens and then like he's catching up while no one realizes that he's behind yet. So it's even funnier because they don't even realize that like their friends out here lacking. It's so, it's so funny. I'll tell you the truth. If that hadn't happened, then I would have allowed you to just continue on to the main event because I'm ready to get, talk about that. But because of what Kyle Riley did, I was like, no, we got to talk about that because <laughs> that stuff is funny. Okay, so I think we also get a mention that we're going to get Riddle versus Cole in the next week or two. Yeah. So then we end up getting uh, Kushida versus Cassius Ono. Ono takes Kushida down and then locks in a side headlock and they grapple and Ono misses a, a leg drop before Kushida hits the, uh, the not cartwheel, some gymnastic maneuver into a basement drop kick. Um, Ono drops Kushida with a boot and chops him before Kushida comes back with an enziguri and a springboard head chop, you know, chopping. Uh, and then he goes for the, uh, he ends up going for the, the, the penalty kick onto the arm. And then Ono hits an electric chair face buster for a near fall. And then Kushida hits a flatliner into a turnbuckle and then a springboard Hurricanrana for a near fall, which did not ooh, look good. Boy, um, we need to talk about yeah, your homeboy, your homeboy, uh, Ono, Josh. Um, look. I know that he's been big at different points in his career and everything else, but like this was a situation where like he was doing spots that he's done a million times, but for some reason he couldn't do them tonight well. Yeah, and I don't know if that's you know struggles with weight or if he's injured or whatever else, but it did not look as crisp as I've seen Chris Hero in the past. No, I agree totally. Yeah, so. But um, you, you know, like both these guys are my homeboy. Like, don't do that. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, look, man, I've seen Chris Hero. He can do these moves before, but like, and I've seen him at this same size do these moves before, but this week it just wasn't happening. You're like, your homeboy, Chris Hero. Oh, okay. <laughs> I call him your homeboy because at one point you were saying like he might be the best record wrestler in America. Uh, what was that, two, three years ago? It was like 2015. It was like almost four years ago, but yeah, okay. he was. Four years ago. Oh, you see, he's like, no, nah, it wasn't three. It was four. Uh, okay, I see. This is yourself, coward. <laughs> so then, it's not it's not cowardly if it's factual. That literally was the year. <laughs> sure. If if so, it happened in 2016, I'd be like, yeah, it was 2016. How convenient. Anyway, we end up going, <laughs> we end up getting uh, Kashida gets nearly knocked out with a forearm to back in the neck. Then he goes for a hand spring back elbow and then Kushida drops him with a punch before hitting the PK to the arm and then locking in the hoverboard lock for the win. Uh, yeah. I was really glad that they are keeping the hoverboard lock as one of his finishers. Um, we, we'd seen him uh, recently on the Largo loop and he didn't use that move. And so I was kind of speculating whether or not they would keep that as one of his finishers, but they are, which I'm, you know, obviously very glad for that. I think they did call it the hoverboard lock, didn't they? Yes, they did. That's pretty cool. Yes. Now all we need is like j- gigawatts and, you know. We need to, uh, we need to Gucci to show up in on the Largo loop dressed as Doc Brown's what we need. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. But I, w- I was glad that I got to cover this week because obviously, you know, covering keeping a strong style for all these years i'm very 
you know, well acquainted with Kushida. And I, I, I was very excited to see his in-ring television debut with NXT. I thought he looked really good here. This match was, was you know, really good. I thought it was match of the night. Um, even oh, yeah. though, even yeah, though. it definitely was. Oh, no, definitely was botching on some stuff. I mean, this was still, you know, still really good. Yeah, this is still like a three and a half star match, maybe higher. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Kushida seemed to be very over with the full sale crowd. Obviously, that's a very smarky crowd, and I'm sure they knew who he was, mm-hmm. you know, coming in. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, for years we talked on our show about him being able to compete with the heavyweights, and you know, this just kind of showed like what what he can do. And in no, even though he was going up against a bigger guy like Cassiusono he in no way came off like a little guy or someone that didn't belong or anything like that. Like he looked every bit like he was like this is where he should be. Yeah. Um, I think when we have the size discrepancies, or whatever, I think the thing for me anyway, this probably might just, this may just be my opinion, but I think the best way that you can get away with, um, small guy wrestling, bigger guy or much bigger guy is either a person is a flyer he can stick and move and use quickness or whatever else um, until you finally get into the match where you trade back and forth. Or you have the super technician like like a Kushida that can basically put somebody, tie somebody in knots or spin around like a helicopter on someone's back. So I, um, I think I think that and then one other element, if you have someone who is an ass kicker and can strike really well. And I think fortunately, Kushida kind of fits all those bills. He can high fly. He can be, you know, very technical, and he has awesome strikes. Like he can do all three of those things very believably, and does do them. Right, right. I, I he can do all three well, but for me, when I think of Ishida, I think more of on the mat and we're working holds. But I mean, obviously, he can do it all. But for me, that's kind of what I. That's like the Kushida I like. Like his goal, like his final match at Kirk and Hall against. Um, Tanahashi, like that is that is the kind of wrestling that I most enjoy from Kushida. Yeah, have you ever seen his match with uh, Kyle Riley? No, we talked about it leaving Man. out of that uh, that house show. But I, Man, I, I, need to I, I, I cannot. Two thousand five or two thousand sixteen. Two thousand fifteen, best okay. Super Junior uh, Finals. Is yeah, so 15, so so five. good. But yeah. um, yeah. One thing I thought was interesting in the beginning of the match. Um, he tried to offer his hand to Ono and Ono wouldn't, he kicked it away. He wouldn't shake his yeah. hand. And then at another point in the match, he grabbed uh, Ono's hand when he had the upper hand and he held on to it. And he's like, yeah. you're going to shake my hand. Yes. And the worst part about it is it was left-handed. Like when he shook the hand out the first time, uh, Ono, it was the right hand. It, it was left hand. It was left hand handshake. It's like, that is Oh, disgusting. gotcha. That's gross. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for what Kushida is going to do here in NXT. Um, hopefully it's not a Kenta situation. Maybe we fall more on the Nakamura side of things, but, um, I, I kind of wish his music was better, but whatever. Um, yeah, his music's not great. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad, but I thought they would come up with something better for him, but whatever. Um, so yeah. Um, thanks for being on the show, Josh. Thanks for coming on. Uh, absolutely. Plugs in. Yep, so uh, you can uh, listen to my show, Keeping It Strong Style, the Ace of Podcasts. We cover uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling exclusively. We drop every Tuesday at midnight. Um, you can also uh, follow us um, on Twitter, at KI Strong Style, um, and also on Reddit, 
Uh, I'm keeping it strong style. Uh, my co-host Jeremy, he is the pro black guy. You can also um, join us in wrestling discussion online on Facebook uh, as part of the Wrestling Squared Circle. Okay, and thanks for again. But that's the end of the show, guys. Be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using to listen to this. Uh, tell the folks about the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Be sure to check out our friends at Powerslam.tv, the sponsor of the show. If you're a fan of independent pro wrestling, they have over 4,000 hours of footage from all over the world. You can use the code Social Suplex to get your free month's trial. Don't forget to visit ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex and pick up some Social Suplex Podcast Network merchandise. Josh, uh, how long have you had the Keep the Strong Style shirt for? Um, as long as the store has been open, I don't know, a uh, few months. Okay. So you guys need to catch up to get like Josh. So also be sure to check out the other shows on the social suplex podcast network on Sundays. We have one nation radio on Mondays or Tuesdays. We have keeping it strong style with Josh and Jeremy on Wednesdays. We have the Ricky and Clive wrestling podcast. Um, every other Wednesday we have grown men watch this shit with Jeremy and Chris on Thursdays or Fridays we have NXT then now forever and then on Saturdays we have all things elite thanks for listening later thanks guys